the Koi Gig Pod. But we're too quick to drop off 3v1. That's been a problem that we actually stopped against Scotland because Neve Fahey stepped in to stop Caroline Weir. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Get more of the sports you love on Sports Extra with BT Sport and Premier Sports. I'm prepared to end it tonight. Well, do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? <laughs> Welcome along to the football show. Look what the cat dragged in. The intrepid... Daniel McDonnell of the Irish Independent has returned from Doha. You are very welcome back to lovely Dublin. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, it's, uh, it's cold Dublin. I mean, it was colder last week, I'm told. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's balmy Dublin. Balmy Dublin. Yeah, it is, probably in comparison. Um, yeah, quite the, quite the climate change, all right, um, from being a, in Doha in late November, early December. I mean, so many surreal aspects to the this World Cup in, in many ways um, this was the day to be lower down the list really but there's a thing you know the Argentinian team arrived in Buenos Aires last night tens of thousands lined the streets and lined their bus route around 3 or 4am it was quite extraordinary so the bus was really just travelling from Aziza airport to the Argentinian FA training complex where they were going to sleep out of official celebrations today but Buenos Aires was very much awake at 4am and then today in Buenos Aires from around midday local time millions gathering and a public holiday declared French team arrived back last night in Paris around 8 o'clock Charles de Gaulle and they were taken to the Place de Concorde not the Champs-Élysées obviously given the circumstances but still thousands greeted them and the players were on the balcony of Hotel de Crillon and uh, were waving and got, you know, reasonable reception back. And Bappe took to his Instagram to say, we will be back. Deschamps wants to stay on, wants a four-year contract, not an 18-month contract to take him to the Euros, wants a four-year contract. And so uh, negotiations are happening. So that's what's been going on in Paris and Buenos Aires over the last uh, 24, 48 hours or so. Where are me and you going to start? We haven't talked this whole World Cup. No, we haven't. Um, it's, it's been it's been a while. And um, how many pairs of underwear did you bring, and how many <laughs> did you realise you needed? Uh, uh, I mean, did you really want to go into that detail? <laughs> <laughs> These are the questions I would ask you off air. This is what I want to know. It's the big topic. Yeah, I know. Like sort of fourteen, fifteen, and then just get a one, you know, a couple of laundry runs during it. So yeah, I was in the same hotel for thirty uh, something nights or whatever it was. Maybe a bit less than that. Because I was in the Ireland, I was at the Ireland game in Malta beforehand. So, um, yeah, like not not the busiest hotel of all time. I mean, there was so many. I mean, and like the the experience of I suppose of being there. Like there was just so many aspects to it. That, I mean, it's almost trivial in the greater scheme of things that it would never really got mentioned. But for example, like a lot of hotels were nowhere near full. Like you might think of like a World Cup being sort of um, that there'd be a, some kind of thriving element to it. But even within Qatar, like, I mean, the the, the, the number of tourists that came was way down and what was expected. So yeah, FIFA would have... One of the great fears in advance was a lack of accommodation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, the hotel I was in, for example, like, you know, I remember I had to change, I had to change room halfway through just, just the way the booking was done. And they were like, that's fine, you know. Wanted a suite. Yes. Could you could you upgrade me possibly? Um but I mean I was there one night and there was someone just paying cash for a room, you know. Like there was there was the central Doha. Yeah. 
yeah and this would have been a sort of a common story that i mean the the footfall of tourists was way below what was anticipated like i I think i mean as much as people spoke about correctly about how uh, logistically smooth it all was in terms of say the metro and stuff like that um they were helped by the fact that they probably didn't get as many tourists as they thought and in fact uh, the metro system while very good was overwhelmed on the day of the final like there was that was a big issue and um, so if they'd got whatever the couple of million they were anticipating rather than whatever the figure was seven eight hundred thousand or something i know there might be maybe there was bigger numbers with day trips at the end but in terms of um maybe that would have tested the the one city stuff a bit more because definitely there was there was that phase during it where a lot of people were like oh, you know maybe this one city world cup could uh could be a thing it's like i mean no like you know clearly clearly not like you know there was extraordinary circumstances created to let this happen such as like clearing out a load of people who lived there in the weeks before the tournament um amongst other things to make it happen but that is the thing about sort of doha like there's so much where i was the area i was staying there was like so much development still going on or you know, a lot of sort of office blocks for hire a lot of abandoned sort of building sites that was the plan to be finished for the tournament is it for 20 you know is there some 2030 plan i mean there's it's a very hard place to get your head around head around in many very and many did respects. you get the sense that your hotel was purpose built for the world cup or just part no of it was one that existed i um i uh, i t- picked that hotel because it existed okay uh there was like uh there was a resume sent out of sort of potential options that you could stay in this was in june like this was the thing like, you're under pressure to book by june because they presumed that all these rooms we could hold them until the end of june and then they'd be taken up and, and filled wasn't there wasn't the case at all but some of the other hotels listed um just you know didn't exist at that point one of the fanciest hotels one of the most uh amazing constructions in lucille like where the final was lucille like lucille is another city relative to doha and that the plan is i think that lucille will become the capital and sort of the a lot of the financial hubs are moving there and that's why the final was in lucille because it's a very big part of their plan to like make lucille like that's their city of the future, you know, and, and that's all the big vision. So you could have, like, Lucille, a, a venue for big finals and, and events in the future. Probably worked. I'd never heard of it. Before yeah, the there you go. And there was a big hotel that it wasn't even finished. Like, one of the most grand designs they possibly took on. It wasn't quite done before it started, so. I don't know. Is it a consequence of all the air conditioning? Because it's quite an indoor existence, it seems, being at this tournament, talking yeah. to different people. Quite a few journalists just not feeling well. Oh, like, I mean, that Sickness was... Sickness rampant. There was, yeah. Virus? Do we think it's COVID? Do we think it was just... No, I think people were doing COVID tests now. I, fortunately, it it was, it was. I mean, I don't know, like, it, I think it was well known. It was sort of working its way through the English pack. You know, there was a lot of people unwell mm. on that beat. Like, I, I, you know, I heard this. See, uh, I, mean, I should just say for the listeners... We haven't talked at all. We have not talked at all. So I'm, I'm literally just asking you the questions I would have wanted to ask you <laughs> yeah. off air. So. I'm not sure how this works as a concept <laughs> in terms of on air, but I mean... Um, yeah, no, like there was a lot of sickness and... Did you um, get sick? No, right. no. Um, but the, the aircon was a was a thing as well. I mean, talk about packing, right? I mean, this is the thing, like, I, you know, sort of brought one hoodie and like one jumper because you look at the temperatures, you're like, well, this is going to be fine. Yeah. Not realizing the extent to which the stadiums were, were cold. And I think the German team, um, as in like the, the, the actual team, um, I think they had some complaints around it because a lot of the hotels, a lot of the places you'd visit, it was like the aircon was on all of the time. Like for mm. all the commitment to like, you know, 
carbon neutral world cup and like you know quite the feat quite the feat I mean there's all these empty buses going around the place during the competition like for public or for journalists for journalists like it was incredible I did hear that they they made a real point more than any other previous tournament of uh, for for journalists massaging their way through all the queuing and all the uh, the potential frustrations presumably in a bid to, to appease them and make them feel like it was a very well run tournament but in particular this was a a, a beautifully <laughs> just, out experience. It's crazy. Like I mean, it really was. And this is the thing, you know. Like I suppose, um, I mean, they have the money to do it, right? You know, and there is a sense of, in in some ways, is it just because they they wanted it to work organisationally, or was it all part of the make this as pleasant as experience as possible, so people will will talk or complain less about the fact that it's here. I mean, I don't know, is that the, is that the intent? I mean, is this, is this the, if it's the template going forward, it will be a, it'll be an interesting one for them. Like, I, I mean, I figured out, I mean, this, again, it's sort of trivial in a way, but like, I sort of figured out halfway through the tournament that there was, to my hotel, there was a, a bus going from the main media centre for the purposes of media staying around that cluster that was running like for 24 hours. Um, and I would get it coming back from the games at maybe quarter past two in the morning. And like several times I was the only person on the bus. Wow. And then the driver, I was talking to the drivers, like when are you on till like, uh, we'll be on till like 11 a.m. Uh, and I, so I was like, if, if there's no one else on it at 2.15, well, I'm coming back from a game that I don't know who's going to be on it at 3.15 or 4.15 or 5.15. And it, was, it would be working its way around. And there'd be two every half hour for like, uh, sorry, like two two per hour, sorry, for like, like 18 hours of the day or 19 hours of the day and then one uh, for the other hours, like one, once per hour. And I was just thinking, like, these are these ghost buses driving around the place. And like, and my route was one of something like 12, 13, 14 routes service and none of the rest of them looked particularly busy either. The guy who got on it one night, there was four other people on it. We're all surprised to see each other. It's like, oh my God, you know, felt better for the driver <laughs> that like he had some sense of purpose otherwise just driving around. And like, that was the thing about it that like there was just a lot of, um, a lot of volunteers, a lot of people doing jobs um, and clearly you're very conscious of um, a lot of the issues around the tournaments you're thinking well hopefully this is a good job for like you know people for the month you know but like people just on the metro there to point like joint foam hands to just uh, wave people in the right direction um, and there was a there was a lot of that but I mean I mean you'd be conscious as well like you know I got in a, a taxi one day and you know talking to the driver and he was just basically I'm actually not a taxi driver at all I'm just doing this for the month because he worked in construction and his project had stopped and uh, he didn't know where a lot of his colleagues like what they were actually doing for the month you know they just their, their job has just stopped and that was it and like a lot of people like their work stopped you know in some cases where did they go who knows where they went for that period of time yeah. um, so people like who need the money were just latching on obviously to a lot of the World and Cup gigs you know See it's great to talk to you haven't been there because I've had this slight reticence when it comes to criticising aspects of Qatar and one area where I have a slight reticence is when it comes to all the talk of the massive wealth and the poverty because wealth and poverty exist in tandem in every society. Yeah. In Ireland, in the UK, in the US, in Africa and it's inexcusable everywhere and it's with each passing year when you look at the world you think how is this the best uh, we can do but it does seem as if it's particularly 
glaring in Qatar and particularly problematic in Qatar. Was that your experience? Oh, yeah, it's, it's so much more pronounced in Qatar. And I mean, I suppose if you, you're right. Like, of course, you're completely correct that in every society there is inequalities. Like, what is that? Like, how, how much percentage of the world wealth is owned by a small, you know, a small number of people, yeah. right? You can completely find that. But I mentioned this in like one of the first diary pieces I did. And it's always the classic, it's a classic sort of journalist sort of trope. Oh, get in a taxi, talk to the driver. You know, here's a story of a taxi driver and a journalist. And it's so, I mean, you know, you can talk to other people apart from taxi drivers, you know. But sometimes it is where you have the most informative sort of chats. And that classic small talk that everyone probably listening to this who's been in a taxi abroad has, has had this discussion. If the taxi driver is chatty and is so inclined, where are you from? I said, oh, where are you from? Uh, Ireland. Yeah, grand. I said but one of the stupidest things I've ever said in my life was like you're from Qatar are you sorry, from Qatar yourself to which he was like he just started laughing like going I mean sort of a you are an idiot sort of laugh but he was like no 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 he's like because anyone who's from here is not a, doing those they drinks. don't drive taxis yeah. he's like so then the whole we had a sort of 50 this is the first taxi I got it was a 15 minute trip and he just commentated on every car that went up uh, the inside in the fast lane and he was just like uh, you know so really like a, a sort of a SUV Jeep sort of a high end brand going Qatari 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 and just pointing out like that that is that is the perception that a lot of the, the workforce as they call them would have is that I mean all of the Qataris are basically wealthy yeah. you know they're in a good position so I mean that's probably the difference between like you'll have you'll have rich Irish people poor Irish people Rich Americans, poor Americans. You yeah, know, okay. you have people that, whereas in Qatar, it's very much a situation where uh, the people from Qatar are all in a very good, very, very good position there. And all of the other people who've come into the country um, are working for them, effectively. And within that, of course, like, you know, you, you, there's a real danger of like, generalizations and, and, and sweeping generalizations. Um, like, there are people who had a very good life for themselves there. I would have called up and... and um, had a couple of interviews and chats with Irish people working in Qatar who who you know have have a very good life there and uh, would be quite protective of Qatar. Uh, you know, one of the points they would make would be, well, you know, there's a lot of Qatari money going back to Ireland every year. There's a lot. There's 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 three thousand Irish people in Qatar. Uh, a lot of whom are probably there with the same purpose for like three, four, five years. You know, make some money, tax free salary. Uh, it facilitates their ability to pay for stuff at home that it's very hard for them to do. They have a perception of Qatar which is probably um, quite positive but unfortunately there is a sort of a there's a hierarchy within the workforce there too. I mean it's been written about here, it's been explored you know that it, unfortunately it is a lot of the people from South Asia sort of from, from Africa that are lower down the, the food chain there and they are brought in on conditions um terms of conditions uh, that would be pretty restrictive and but pretty pretty tough and and like so you would you would you would see them everywhere I was going to say I read your piece yesterday where the, by the way the headline on line was there's no temptation to rush back to Qatar a truly charmless land mm. and it's often instructed to think well 24 hours on what do I remember about this very lengthy piece sometimes it's an, an instructive uh, test and so the thing I remember is where you just mentioned it's a small thing and again I have a slight reticence here because there'll be comparable examples in this country and around the world but I do remember you noting the fact that you were there for however many weeks and for instance the gentleman the African gentleman working on the door of your hotel basically 
literally never had a day off in all that yeah. time. It's just, it's just it's a dreadful thought in a country with all that wealth. Yeah, the same fell out reception during the day and there was a night guy, day and night. And like the day guy had like this really broad, friendly smile, you know, and some, someone you'd, you'd never miss, you know. And like, again, every day there. And I'd yeah. be coming back a lot, two, three in the morning. A fellow from Kenya, it was on the door every night. So these conditions that we talked about when it came to migrant workers and World Cup Stadia, Extend yeah, now, you know, you know, maybe like I mean, maybe those, maybe like that in that particular instance, you know, maybe there's extra work during the World Cup, and people are like, yeah, like the way you know people work through Christmas here in in certain sure. conditions and seasonal, but it's not that's, your suspicion. It's, no, it wouldn't be that wouldn't be my suspicion. And this is the thing, like you know, uh, so you write that piece yesterday, and 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 I've written similar pieces, and. You get you would get a small bit of blowback from people who were probably who've spent some time there, and they'll say, oh, I, "I had a lovely time in Qatar," but unfortunately, like, you look at the profile of where they're from, and you know that they've arrived there in very different conditions. Like, and you would you would have this discussion with people there. It'd be like you know, and they'd say it in a well-meaning way. It's like let's show you the real Qatar, but it's like. No, that's your Qatar. You know, that's your experience there. Like, you could go around. There is, like, the, the pearl. There's this part of the world, the part of Qatar, which is stunning, like. And people live in very nice houses. They're very safe, you know, crime non-existent, you know, um, security very good. They'd say it's a nice place to bring up kids. And you can see, and I'm not, I would never judge any of those people. Like, you know, it's one of those weird things that, like, if a friend came to you, you know, came to me tomorrow and said, I've got an opportunity to go and work in Qatar for, like, a year... And I would say I wouldn't be mad in the place. I would say I wouldn't be mad on the you know a lot of what happens there. But there are good opportunities for people. Sure. Them, you know, to, it's that whole lot, you know, walking mile in their shoes. Like you know, you could understand why it does. There's a good life for people there. But what how that compares to the to the to the actual real um, Qatar? Like you know, I think it's 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 a different Qatar to different people, and like that's inescapable you just cannot miss that if you if you don't see that walking around the place you just have your eyes closed like you just you're not you're not paying attention and within that they will produce examples of like migrant workers who've made a great life there yeah but there, there's a an inherent inequality in the system is way more pronounced than it will be in in other places and and as i said i it's it's almost as though there's a tone around it that it's it's true like you know the typical western media um having a go at this look at your own countries and that's correct like that is accurate like i don't like it's it's true like you I mean our own sort of government and and other industries other sports have long established uh, relationships with with Qatar it's just football going there shines a lot you know like i'm a big horse racing fan you'd have like you know Qatar racing would be a prominent owner within Irish racing, for yeah. example, so, you know, but it hasn't been never been subject to the type of discussion that um, football going there has been. You know? I do want to get your thoughts on the football. Just one last point to end this, uh, I suppose, off the pitch conversation out. Again, I haven't spoken to you. Mm. Were you there when Grant Wall passed away? Yeah. What, yeah. What, what was the effect of that on the whole experience? For yeah, everyone? it's weird. I was talking to Mick outside, uh, producer Mick, about outside um, because I, I came in last night and I, I sort of heard your, uh, you're talking about the news round. And it's, a, it's a very classic discussion now. Everyone, like your best game, your best moment, like your best memory. And we'll probably do a little bit of that, yeah. you know. Um, and of course, the Argentina-Holland game is probably like a contender until the final. 
you could argue that it, it was the game of the tournament, but I probably wouldn't have included it because it would just it it didn't it wouldn't sit right because um it like I think for a lot of people who were in that area it was quite affecting in the sense that this happened like you know his collapse happened it happened very 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 close to where I was sat and a lot of other. Um, I suppose English speaking journalists were sat because you you would often be grouped like according to nationality or you know various um, yeah. various sort of uh, boundaries or, or sort of terms they use to divide people up so uh, yeah it was I mean like do you know like it feels like um, in some ways it feels a bit sort of what's the word like sort of ghoulish or inappropriate to, to talk to Labour on it because like he wasn't like he wasn't my friend, you know, he wasn't someone that I knew. Um, and there would have been people who were in the same row as him where it happened, who would be quite close to him that I know that they haven't really spoken about it yet. And clearly, like, it's, it's, that's their story to tell in time. And so, in some ways, I'm looking at it from perspective of someone who's not especially close. And then you're, you're going on about your experience of it and you're trying to, you know, like strike the right tone with it. But, um, I mean, I, I mean, it was a, it was a deeply sort of, surreal circumstances to be like 90,000 people in a stadium like responding to one of the most dramatic like extra time sort of in particular because when it happened was sort of in in some some way through extra time so I mean Argentina from what I recall had a lot of like late chances in that game Um, but even during the penalty shootout itself like this you know there was people moving up and down the steps there was a feeling of are we going to be cleared out at a particular exit or, or there was just there was just things going on and more to the point like you know you were aware that like something very serious was happening and you could tell that from the faces of people and like the World Cup is, is going on around you mm-hmm. you know and it's going so like yeah it was a penalty shootout like I mean uh I remember like sort of turning to someone next to me was like who scored the winning penalty it was that type of thing you know it was I found it very distracting anyway and and um, there was people around there who just had to get their head down and try and get their work done like and they like they they really saw it you know what I mean mm. so that is a that's one of those things where your experience being there is is very personal probably in the sense of the Argentina Holland game to me every time people mention that now I'd be like that's my instant go to is thinking of that and like uh, I couldn't accurately describe the drama of what happened in extra time because there was this other thing going on and it's look again you know it's a media bubble thing you know like other people had incidences during the tournament and it's obviously it's a very high profile thing that happens and it's it's talked about but I mean it was a it was something um it was something that happened. I'm sure if you know if if, if it hadn't been Grant Wall, like and it had been someone else, he would have spoken about it, you know, because it was, um, it was a very sort of surreal sort of incident that happened, you know, and and um, like you know, sort of what would have walked into the stadium through security with him earlier in the evening, you know, so um, the idea of it all. But I must say as well, just on that, like the um, his like his wife and how like she sort of dealt with it in the week after as well I thought was incredibly impressive too you know even in terms of the interviews she gave and how like she just managed it because the there was obviously a bit of you know uh, conjecture or various things around the the incident and stuff and she well, very for, much took for, control yeah, of yeah, it yeah for people you know? who don't know his brother Sorry. his yeah. brother was incredibly emotional and 
was deeply suspicious of the nature of what yeah. had happened and in effect felt that his brother may have been murdered. Yeah. And he was speaking in the throes of grief and I hadn't realised his wife had spoken. I, 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 His wife had come to prominence in a big, big way during COVID as a very impressive... Very pro-vaccine speaker. Person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On, I think she was on... Uh, Biden's, Biden's committee yeah, yeah yeah, so I mean there was all sorts like anti-vaxxer and all sorts of stuff in the aftermath like that was you know that was just spinning around the whole thing okay. and she sort of came out and just confirmed that like unfortunately what happened to him was something that would have happened anyway it was okay. sort of a uh, a sort of a clot aneurysm of, of some of some description, but yeah, I mean, I know like a few people went home after that and stuff as well because they were just like go back to the point like of like the illness that was going around the place. Obviously, a lot of people were were quite um, worried and thinking, yeah, there's no need to be a you know, no need to sort of uh, burn the candle at both ends here for the sake of it. There's sort of a you know, life and perspective and all of that. Okay. We'll talk about the football in just one moment. Dan McDonnell is staying with us. Our football show coverage brought to you by Sky. You can watch Burnley, Manchester United tomorrow in the Carabao Cup live on Sky Sports. We'll take a short break. Back with Dan in just one second. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky, proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland women's national football team. This is News Talk. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky, the Premier League is back. Watch every live game for the rest of the season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. This is News Talk. You're welcome back. Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent is home from Doha, so we're picking our way through the World Cup that was. We've talked, Dan, uh, mostly about the the off-the-pitch experience. This World Cup, for off-the-pitch reasons, can never be classed as a great World Cup or it can be classed in any way as a positive World Cup because ultimately it was bought with corruption Mm. and then there were needless deaths and all sorts of issues in the build-up and throughout which uh, tarnish it and sully it in a massive way for people. Sport being sport, on the pitch, on the pitch, I would put it to you that it was an exceptionally good World Cup. Drama, quality, the messy storyline, Mbappe in France, I mean, the final, the four quarter final, the group stages. So Infantino said they were the best ever. I mean, I, best ever is, is, is a lofty praise to try and judge. But certainly the final round of matches, I seem to remember every evening being uh, massively dramatic and, and delivered on, on various fronts. And then the final, as we said, is maybe the best um, final there's ever been. So on the pitch, was it not a doozy? Oh, like, I mean, as a football tournament, I suppose, like, it was incredibly good. And I mean, uh, I, I I just can't subscribe like to this view that, it, that in some ways that it wasn't, as a football-wise, that it wasn't a good tournament. Like, I mean, it's sort of the fourth World Cup I've been lucky enough to do. And um, by by far the best although I mean 2018 actually was a decent football tournament as well I remember at the end of 2018 there was a lot of goals scored and a lot of people felt that was a good tournament but this was uh, considerably better um, because there was the, the the drama as you mentioned of the knockouts and so many things even just chatting outside I completely forgot about the the, the Poland-Argentina night 
where there was the yellow cards thing going on there for a few minutes where it was going to be decided and I was I was at the Argentina-Poland game where you were sort of looking at the bench trying to communicate this and taking off Krachowiak because he got booked and he was a bit of a uh, sort of a flight risk when it comes to this mm. I, mean, that, I mean that's almost not even in the top 50 things that might come to your mind and it was bloody dramatic at the yeah, time and, yeah and and this was the thing not to come back to the previous point but like this is the the conflicted nature of it the, the amount of stuff you could do like you could do like two games in a day so like in the course of one day like I went from the the Belgium-Croatia game where Lukaku was just missing chances like every yeah. few minutes and I was quite a good view down the end and went from there uh, got a, able to get a bus as you do get your bus across the city to Japan-Spain mm. which was yeah, I must say actually pretty dull first half that one but then the second half and the drama of the Japan, Spain, Costa Rica, Germany and the updates and all that going on yeah. that was an extraordinary night and even then those things probably a lot of people would need their memory stirred because as I heard you say like the four quarter finals were all brilliant I think that's the best 24 hours in terms of drama that I can remember in football yeah all yeah. four games yeah, in the like, space of 24 hours incredibly good and like the semi-finals even um like Morocco, France was good. Like you know, it was, they were it, was decent. A, they, it certainly weren't decent. like awful stereotypes. No, like Argentina, Croatia, maybe the second half was like yeah. you know, but then he still within that you still had the Messi solo run and assist, so which is a really like memorable moment. Yeah. So and the final like delivered. So you know, yeah, the round of sixteen maybe was a small a small bit flat. You could yeah. say yeah. that the price you paid for, you have to pay a price somewhere. The, the, that was the price you paid for getting the good quarter final. Yeah, so I it was agree. worth it. Like there was there was some games in the round of sixteen. I was thinking the games I went to myself. Like it went to Holland, USA, um, France, Poland, and yeah, they didn't. Um, I can't think there was one or two other games that went to, but like it's it, yeah, from that perspective, okay, yeah. but from that point onwards, and unfortunately, in our mind's eye, I think anyway, like a lot of the great tournaments I remember or remember as great tournaments, like there was actually like brilliant group stage drama or things or stories, like 98 was definitely a very good World Cup, but later on in the competition, you would have had KG knockout ties that went to penalties that didn't like leave much of a lasting impression um, and in this one all of the, the last seven games you could say um, leaving out the third place game the last seven games of the tournament all delivered uh, things you will remember from each game and this, that's that's yeah. to me like that's a pretty important metric for like uh, assessing a good competition often you have a really good group stages Brazil 2014 you were there the group stages were very good if you remember but then the knockouts probably weren't. To, to, you know, they were didn't have as much drama. Oh, and like the yeah. final, it's a terrible thing to say. It's the only World Cup final I may ever be at. Mm. Man, it was, it was tough going. Mm. Just was really dull. Yeah. Like one nil an extra time. Like, it was just hard going. Yeah, well, I mean, said, like, Sunday was, as I said, like, very conscious of the, the fortune of being at World Cup final. It's the best event you can probably be at, sure. to me. But, yeah, my expectations wouldn't have been massively high, although it's very hopeful but I was going to make this point like the World Cup final the memorable things of the previous three is the day it's being at the final it's the ceremony it's the fanfare it's not necessarily the moments mm. like probably from 2014 remember Higuain's miss I remember him going through and goal but beyond that like 2010 yeah okay Iniesta's goal great moment Dull game. the Dutch Robins misses okay you remember Robin missing the chances and a bit of kicking going on 2018 France Croatia actually wasn't too bad but it was it was over in such a way that it didn't leave that uh, there was a clear better side mm. and maybe a slightly tired side I mean Sunday like um, I tried to watch some of it back earlier to remind myself 
of it you know because so many things happened within that like things happened within periods of extra time or even injury time of extra time probably more things happened within that than maybe happened in entire finals Mm. in terms of um big moments so i think by any like by any metric it was a as a football tournament if you forget take all the other stuff out of it just you watch these games in a room with your sort of you know 50 years from now just put people in the room to watch all the all the games of all the tournaments and not be told of any of the, the political stuff around it and they will say that that was a great tournament definitely what was the best individual performance you saw in person yeah I was thinking about this um, like the, the team one is a bit easier the the well, give me team then well team I think watching Morocco actually as a team right in a pure there's obviously the difference between the best team as in the outstanding team and the, the pure definition of a team working together mm. you know and the Morocco collective was so impressive you know and even the I wasn't at the game against Portugal because I was at the England-France match but watching the Morocco-Portugal uh, game prior to that like the injuries they had like they lost their centre halves they lost size carried off Aguero didn't play that game um, and they just seem to, they seem to just uh, they they come in with a sort of a square peg for a square hole, and they yeah. just they just keep doing it, um, and that as a team, like the how they manage to sort of squeeze out and frustrate teams, but also counter as well. I just thought that like that was very good individual. I'm, I think it's seeing Messi, but I can't think of what. Like Messi collect across the piece rather than say one particular game, or even in all of the games. That was my sense as well. There, there, there wouldn't be a game where you would say to somebody in the next generation, if you want to send some Messi, just watch that game. He never ran a game. He had moments within games. All of the moments have added up into a spectacular World Cup. But I don't think it was a game where he utterly. Uh, enthralled for sixty, seventy of the ninety minutes. No, I guess if there was one for me, it would probably be. Uh, the semi-final against Croatia because he was like he was he injured after 20 minutes that was the thing and it's it's something people would talk about watching Messi maybe for the first time that the amount of walking he does around the pitch like yeah. if, you, you're, if you're on Messi cam like people met that movie of like Zidane going around the pitch for 90 minutes like the Messi movie would be there'd be long periods of him just walking around the pitch like prowling but in that game you sort of genuinely thought he was injured and people obviously remember Argentina were, were, were struggling badly for the first 20 minutes of that game against Croatia. Like about 65% possession, Croatia did a couple of chances. And Messi, you're like, he's, he could be in trouble here. Yeah. And then he springs to life and within like two minutes, he almost creates two goals from yeah. nothing. And you're like, yes, this is greatness. Then those, he, ta- he taunts sort of Guardiola later on. So maybe the semi final may be what's sticking in my mind. Um, but I know what you're saying. It's more the Messi, the pass against Holland, incredible. Yeah. Even on Sunday when he was tired, still within extra time. Like he still scored and was involved in like two other moves that really could have led to goals. Mm. So Give me another name. I presume Mbappe in person must be frightening. Yeah, Mbappe against Poland in the round of 16 where Poland didn't do a huge amount wrong against him and he still scored two late goals. Mm. Um, and there's definitely something about like... Mbappe in full flight that's so thrilling like and from like 80 minutes onwards on Sunday like every time he got the ball it's like something's going to happen here yeah. so that was uh, that was brilliant like the Croatian goalkeeper uh, Livakovic like he he had the individual game against Brazil you'd say like that was very good but I wasn't at that game myself Griezmann against England 
excellent. Oh, like, yeah. really, really in, good. England France felt England France was a brilliant. So game. grand. Yeah, if it wasn't like for the final, that, like, I know I mentioned the reasons for Argentina Holland. Like I probably would have gone for in terms of best game, yeah. like England France Cameroon Serbia. I was at that. It was a three all. That was brilliant. It. it was always a. It was a ten a.m. game in Irish time. I didn't see any ten a.m. It's games. always the classic one where people. It's a game that you'd miss, and even the night before, it was like, I mean. Because again, this just this just the absurdity of the opportunity you're presented this World Cup, where I just decide and like I decided on the morning. I think I'll go to the Brazil game tonight. You know, like it's just you say that loud, and it's like my God, like you really are I, I'm being washed here. Yeah. I'm being sports washed yeah. here. And, uh, I, but but like Cameroon Serbia was, was Cameroon Serbia was at the group stage a surprise. Like that was a, the second half was incredible, and Serbia's got a really good team goal in that, which again in the goal of the competition gets forgotten because. Um, you know the team. The team didn't do it pretty well, and Abubakar's chip. I presume you remember Abubakar, where he thought he did, was offside. Yeah, yeah. He did an amazing chip. Just get that straight away. But England France was just really a game that you're until some people were saying this is the real final. Like, I this was. is the final. I yeah. thought it was. And until like after sixty minutes on Sunday, it was like England France definitively not the real final. But until then. Yeah, until like prior to the game on Sunday, I could understand the argument. I mean, England were good. I, I sorry, I said it even in, in advance of England, France. Me and Kev were talking. And I said England have been really good. France been really yeah. good. The winner comes from this match, and it felt like the final because Argentina were still growing into the tournament yeah, at yeah. that stage. I wanted to ask you. So in that game, I found myself thinking a few things. That Declan Rice, who at times against more limited opposition, can catch the eye, and you can think, oh, he's not doing very much. Like he could, there's more in him. But then I thought against France, almost akin to Eddie Jones talking about test match animals, I thought at that exalted level, Rice covering the pitch and making interceptions and holding possession, I thought, God, he bloody bl- he looks better at this higher level than he sometimes does when they're bullying Iran. It's funny though, I, I thought in that game, um, he was brilliant for spells, but he actually had a couple, like he was uh, caught out for the first goal. You know, like when Bappy went and was running across the pitch, oh, no. and he went to take him out. That's just unfortunate. Do... They, like even Rice, who's like six foot two and strong and fast, tried to foul Mbappe. Didn't even yeah. try to get. It was like my sole intent here is to take you out of the game because this is but the first moment. It. But I think that just points to the fact in that, that world Mbappe Cup, is in a that, freak of but, nature. But in that World Cup, GBH was fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know. Like he, I, sorry, he didn't hold back. It's not like Rice said, "I'm going to try and foul him." Eighty percent. He properly tra- tried to foul him. And still Mbappe rode the challenge. Yeah. For me, that moment's all about Mbappe. Nah, I, I, of the England team, I would say actually like Bellingham was much more striking to watch than... And I know what you're saying. I mean, Rice is amazingly good. I mean, and, and it's, this isn't the whole classic, I'm going to downplay how good Rice oh, yes, is. Yes, it is. Rice is really good. But you realise that Rice now, the role he's going to probably have to play yeah. is to, to be a, a bit of a foil to Bellingham in terms of his England career because Bellingham was the all-round package and so Rice I, don't get, ha- has to be Benham, very disciplined in what he does. Sure, Benham, and, and Benham once, incredible. once or I'm, twice in that game I didn't think he was actually at his best he made one or two little mistakes in his in his principal role. Well if you're giving it if you're, if you're marking against him for his attempt to foul Mbappe then I have to defend <laughs> him there. That's a shocking assessment there of that situation. Uh, Bellingham of course it goes without saying. So I presume in person he's pretty awesome. Yeah he's very good. Yeah no he is. And it's just he's had so much press. Yeah Rice yeah. hasn't been mentioned and I was yeah. curious. I just have images up, of Rice yeah. doing great work in that humble, game. Humble Declan Rice. Um <laughs> No, <laughs> like no, like that was. But to go back to the point, I mean, it was that was a really good game. Like, Griezmann um, that night was special. Griezmann first half really era. good. But it's funny, even little player like Rabio wouldn't get a lot of love no. um, from anyone. But he actually had an okay tournament. Like, and when he got sick and like he missed the semi final, and they missed him in the semi final. It's one of those where actually, um, because of 
how good Mbappe is. Yeah. That left side, like the midfielder, the left sided midfielder in the sort of uh, the two has to do a, a certain amount of cover, especially when uh, Hernandez wouldn't be incredibly good defensively. Especially Rabio was quite, quite good in the competition, oh, you know, below the radar. And it was sort of, you took him out, it was like, yeah. But I mean, yeah, Griezmann was very good in that game. It's, just, it's, it's how the cycle moves on, though, that like, like the champ had one sub in that match. Right, like he made one change, he brought him Coleman the for final. Dembele, yeah. and the whole point was he's relying on the on this old guard because, and I would have said it myself after the match, the England bench is better yeah. than France. I think I think actually I know some people would have had that view within football, like England's England's bench is is better than French, and yet when it came to it on Sunday, mm. you're looking at sort of Colomwane, you come on against Morocco, you're looking at Coleman, you're looking at okay Taram. Then maybe you know you had the dive on Sunday, but still, you sort of the athleticism and the the strengths that they had. You're thinking, God, they've almost he's been let off the leash here, and these are these are pretty good. Um, mm. So we'll see them in March. I know. Yeah, yeah. that's a fair point. Yikes. Uh, so, best stadium. Somebody was asking. Uh, stadium nine seven four would be uh, the one where the met of 974 recycled shipping containers or so the story goes I think there's a little bit more to it than that but that's the line 974 being the phone the phone code the international phone code for Qatar so that's why it was stadium oh, 974 974 containers but um, a lot of FIFA stadiums are very like homogenous the same sort of design the same model you can take them anywhere they look the same 974 is a bit different a bit steeper it was the first ever temporary stadium to be used in a World Cup it's already been they already started the process of uh, deconstructing it. Are they going to remake it anywhere? The plan is to offer it to uh, 2026 or 2030. So something might pop up in Uruguay or somewhere if they get it or uh, might even be a part of um, the Americ- one of the American stadiums in 26. But that part, I mean, Lucille is an, it's an incredible uh, venue where the final was. And that's why Lucille during the competition, again, to go back to my point, they they clearly fixed it that they had a lot of the big teams mm. there. Ronaldo was in Lucille, Brazil were in Lucille, Argentina played five of their games there. Yeah. So they, they that's a, but I mean they're taken down. Uh, they're not even sure what the future is for that for that venue. Um, in yeah. person was the uh, Mbappe volley better than the Di Maria goal? Oh no 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 Di Maria goal is far better. Like yeah. it's a better team goal. Yeah, the Mbappe goal, like, no, like, just, I watched it again, I heard it drawing myself, and it completely strengthened my view that the Argentina goal is considerably better than yeah. Mbappe's. Like, it, there was a bit of ball watching um, from the, like, it was, the Mbappe one was more facilitated by mistakes mm. for me, and even the shot, the volley was very good, but. Could have been saved. It could have been saved. Now, there was good power on it, but it was an incredible moment, you know, and the speed at which it happened definitely was so impressive, but. The Argentina team, even from the start of it, it's flawless. I know, again, there was obviously bad tracking involved in that too. And maybe Loris could have got off his line a little bit earlier. Um, but Di Maria goal is... I'm not, uh, I mean, everyone's obviously entitled to their opinion on this. Uh, like it's, opinions are great, but if anyone's saying Mbappe's better, they're wrong, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with you. I think most people would. Oh yeah, that's fine. Just, uh, as a moment, Mbappe was ah, like I mean, so you, nuts. you could feel it, you could feel it happening from the start of the move. And this is the thing: like Messi being shoved off the ball by Kingsley Coman for that, 
like would have been the if, if France had won the game yeah. uh, every report I think would have hung off that and even like just seeing that happen it was like Messi looked old as he was shoved off the ball I did remember thinking oh my god maybe this is his destiny as yeah. opposed to yeah it was looking and, like and the then case. you have Coleman missing the, ben- like missing the penalty you know it, and Messi scoring his and, mm. and um, again maybe like Messi's performance in a way to be on the ground in that way that it would have been a shattering blow and then an extra time he's still on his last legs and still scoring and assisting I think I know the answer with France because uh, they look bloody good aside from that very strange first hour of the final when it comes to Ireland next year do you come away less optimistic of our chances against the Netherlands and the French I'd probably come away feeling the same I think to be honest <laughs> There was zero hope to begin with There's zero the hope The only now. thing I would say the only probably I see, I see Benzem is retired now like there is there has to be a massive I think that'll be okay That'll be grand <laughs> but there's I think there's there is a danger of like a massive hangover from this we need to, the, the only thing I'd say from the Irish perspective and I, I'll repeat this on March the 27th when the game is like you think of those French players and the clubs they play for they all play for the top clubs they've had a World Cup in the middle of their season yeah. they're going to go back and they're going to um, they're going to go back and, and get involved in that around February they're going to be in the Champions League in a lot of cases then they get to an international break in March where they play Holland in Paris which is a really big game for them and then three days later they come to Dublin which for them for, for Ireland it's a, it's a great game for France it's like oh god another what another game now we have to go here and we'll probably beat these so <laughs> in a way that could like that could play into Ireland's hand the timing of it but the Dutch weren't terrifically good, you know. But do you want France just steamroll the group and and open the door? Like the main frustration is here's the problem: you see, everyone sees how good France are in general. They just did not care about the Nations League. It did not matter to them, and the collateral damage of that is them being second seeds and Ireland possibly being screwed. And only because they're so good, they didn't need to care about being first or second seeds because we're France. Mm. We'll qualify anyway. But there was always going to be one team that suffered from France being second seeds. It was whoever was third seeds. And there you go. But I know Stephen Kenny was there, Keith Andrews, and I think they took a lot from Denmark against France because Denmark played with the same system as Ireland, the back three. Um, and they actually played a pretty good game uh, in that, so they might take something from it. But What was the score in that game? It was 2-1 to France to go a late winner. Denmark actually could have won that. Like France the, already qualified then? No. That was no, the middle game. Middle game. But again, France warmed, eased their way into these tournaments. Yeah. But uh, Denmark were actually good in that game, but then they had the, then they completely went and botched it against uh, Australia. Who sort oh, of yeah. Australia. Another, another bit of drama. In they there. really over, yeah. they sort of overperformed relative to what our players played. It was a few teams. I mean, that's it. Like, I mean, like Morocco was incredible. But like, Japan, really good. The Iran games were powerful. Like, were you in any of those press conferences? Uh, I was no, I wasn't in the the. I was I was in the press conference after they beat Wales. That was the only Iran game I was at. I wasn't at the one where Kiros went into the crowd and took some uh, British reporter to task over Afghanistan. Um, but I I was at the, the even that sentence. Carlos Kiros taking a British journalist to task over the invasion of yeah, Afghanistan. But the, the the Iranian games. I mean, the the Wales match, like where the players sang the anthem. Yeah. But then the the, the big screenshot to female fan in tears. And um, the England game, I think, actually, no, where, where they no, no. didn't sing. No, no, I'm talking about the game where they sang. Oh, the so next is, game, yeah, so okay. The, that clearly before the Wales game, there'd been a bit of pressure. Yes. Bit. So I think was she crying because they were singing, you know, or what was it? Was it the booze? Well, but then, but then 
I remember going down to the Iranian, or I was around the Iranian team hotel after their last game, where they lost to the USA and they were going home the next day. But the big chat was that a lot of, um, you know, had a lot of government sort of forces come in, you know, to, to boost the fan base, you know, like spies effectively was the was the fear. And um, I saw a player outside the hotel had been approached by a fan, a female fan who wasn't dressed in the more traditional manner they would like, looking to pose for a photograph. And you could see the player figuring out is this a good idea because of the pressure they were under like after the Wales game the goal scorer came in and he, like his, his first like you were at a press conference after a game and we're used to oh geez, a great win for the lads great bunch of lads or whatever and he's just talking about it's unfair the pressure we've been put under in this last week and you just know that like one of their ex-teammates had been arrested that's right the day before so what was going on with Iran during that tournament was sort of almost like people talk about the political aspect of this competition and, and obviously Morocco were playing like for the Arab world and, and the African world and there was a lot of layers to it but the Iran thing was was on another level you know relative to that Good to catch up Yeah good talking Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent with us Football show brought to you by Sky I know Dan looking forward to Burnley Manchester United tomorrow in the Carabao Cup to be fair, uh, I will actually have a look at that. That's live on Sky Sports. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have to say that I'm going to be watching that. So. You don't know contractually. You don't have to say that. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I might just give it a miss. Fair enough. Fair enough. That was uh, dumped on on the uh, football show this evening. Football on off the ball with Sky, proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland women's national football team. This is News Talk.